0: Today on the show, I had Brian Moylet. Now, Brian is a leading mindset and performance coach. If you don't know what that is or what somebody does who has that job title, don't worry, because we go into all of it. But essentially, he works with athletes, leaders, and people to help them maximize their performance and really fulfill whatever dream it is that they want to fulfill. He's also a former Irish age-braid rugby player, international rugby player. He has an MBA. He is the author of the bestseller book on how to become a pro rugby player. And he's a keynote speaker. And he also has his own uh, podcast that he hosts and is super successful. And this one went for like an hour and a half because I just really enjoyed the conversation. And I had so much that I wanted to keep asking him and learning from him because he has a really interesting job. He's a really interesting story. And journey that I wanted to hear about but also because the nature of his work where he's working in mindset and performance and psychology and philosophy he has a lot of thoughts on how you can find what it is that you love and then make that happen and so I wanted to tease all of that out of him and and, and we did and it was such a good chat but a couple of the specific things that we talked about so We, of course, talk about what is it like to be a performance coach? How did he get into that? What does his day look like? He's because all these different things, whether it's writing a book or giving speeches or coaching individuals or teams, and we figure out what that actual life looks like. So if you're interested in it, you're going to hear all about it. We also talk about the importance of courage in finding a job that you love and specifically how you can develop courage if you feel like you don't have it. So if you're worried, oh, I can't leave my job because I'm going to worry what my parents think, what my friends might say, or because I might not earn as much money, we actually talk about the specifics of how you can develop courage to get over that. We talk about his advice on finding what it is that you love. And that's really what this whole podcast is about. And he has some great perspectives on this. And he has a very simple question that you can ask yourself that you can use to find out what it is that you really love and that you want to be doing. Um, we talk about how you can take one very easy first step towards doing the thing that you love without having to leave your job. And I love that. Super practical. And that's kind of towards the end of the podcast. We also talk about his journey with depression, which was, I mean, like, any, any anytime you hear somebody talk about their struggles with mental health or with depression, it's... Like it's very it can be very emotional, it can be very sad, I guess, to to hear that. But he's super open about it and what that journey looked like for him and how it informed his own path, both in his career and in his life. And lastly we we share we both share a love of rugby and we talk a lot about why we love rugby and why he loves coaching rugby. And why that's one of the big goals that he has for himself. So I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation that I have with Brian now. Brian, thanks for coming on the show. I, I'm always interested to know, when you were a kid, growing up, what did you want to be? A rugby player. Did you actually? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%.
1: I kind of like, you know, play at Man United for a year or two when
0: I was like seven or eight. But then after that, it was, yeah, play rugby. Yeah. And, and and why was that? Was that just like the sport you were mad into from when you were a kid and that's what you were surrounded by or what was it? Yeah, I loved it. So like I played pretty much
1: every sport I could in ball now growing up like Gaelic, basketball, hurling, soccer, rugby, tennis, you name it. And I realized like basketball, I watched the NBA and I was like, I'm not six, uh, you know, I might be tall around ball age, 12, 13, 14, or you know, when I was younger in my younger teens, but the NBA isn't that realistic and Gaelic, I really enjoyed it, but rugby, I was just a bit better at and I, and I started getting picked in kind of conic teams when I was under 15 and then yeah, that kind of, that was on my mind. And like, I never really liked school. Like I never liked sitting in a classroom. I never enjoyed it. I like chatting to my friends, but then I get in trouble. So I don't know, like some people, I don't know, do they dream of like sitting in an office for eight or 10 hours a day? I certainly didn't. Like, I just wanted to be outside. I just want to be outside playing with my friends in the yard, kicking ball. And if it wasn't that chatting to the lads. Like I found it pointless sitting there listening to someone who had no interest in for most of the time. So anyway, yeah, growing up, that's what it was. But then you get told that you have to get a job or like, you know, that's, you know, th- these different routes. So, but yeah, when you say, what did you want to do when you were young? Yeah, that was it. Play
0: sport. I've, I've asked a lot of people that question and you're definitely the closest between what you wanted to be growing up and what you do now? Because most of the people I asked, like that one of the guys I asked, he said he wanted to be Aragorn. Um, you know, <laughs> so that, that didn't really work out for him. But um, so yeah, so then how do you describe what you do now? Yeah, so right now I help,
1: I started off with helping young rugby players. So I help players with the mental side of the game, athletes, and I'm a mindset and performance coach. And so it started off with, my own journey and we can go on whatever tangent we want here, but how I came about it. But anyway, I just started playing the best rugby I've ever played in my late 20s after an incident where I kind of suffered from mental health, got depressed and kind of learned a few things through that. And I just started playing the best rugby in my life. And then I realized, hey, I, I was working in finance. I'd done an MBA in finance and I was just doing that because that's what you're meant to do. And I was playing rugby on the side and was in line to play with Canada. But I was also coaching for the last like eight or nine years. And I just realized about two years ago during COVID, I was like, I have a younger brother who's going down the rugby route as well. He's just signed to play professionally in the States. And I was always helping him with his kind of career or trajectory or the challenges he had and all that. And I just, when I started playing the best rugby in my life, I was like, yo, I need to help other people with this. Because if I knew what I know now, when I was 16, 18, 20, it would have all been so different. And so I set up off-field rugby on Instagram, just started putting out content. I decided I I was going to help young rugby players. So I set up off-field rugby and then I was listening to rugby podcasts and I didn't really like any of them. I was like, oh, this should be better. Like, why are they just asking about the results last week? Why aren't they having chats with them and seeing what they're like as people, seeing what worked for them, seeing what didn't work for them? And I just said, here, I'll start my own rugby podcast. So I started the off-field rugby pod where I chat with players and coaches about their journey, what worked for them, what didn't, what challenges they've had, and just chat about life, really. So it's what you're doing as well. And then start working with players one-on-one. Um, that's how that. That came out then. That was the next step. And then I was working with a player one-on-one one day, just like me and you are here over Zoom. And I was in Vancouver. He was back in Ireland. And he asked me, I had all my books up behind me on the shelf and the ones that I was reading and had read. And he said, oh, Brian, just before we finished the session, is there any book you'd recommend me read for my rugby? And I kind of thought I was like, you know, behind me, I had to say the power now or all these different like mindfulness or psychology books or which had helped me a lot, but I was kind of thinking what one, and there was no book and there, there wasn't a book to help rugby players with the mental side of the game. And I was just like, I had been writing out stuff. So I had say written out pre-match nerves and I'd write out all the stuff that helps me with pre-match nerves. I'd write out fear of failure and I'd be writing out all this stuff that has helped me so that I could then help the players I was coaching. And so I kind of thought about then after, he. I said, I'll leave it with me and I'll think about it. And I just thought then I was like, here, I've I've kind of like three or four chapters already written. And I was just like, I I love a challenge and a project to keep busy. And I think that's something kind of tying back from sport. I don't know, for me, you know, the getting through the work, like going to the gym and training to hopefully win on Saturday or win at the end of the season. And I've realized in life that we need to... Constantly be climbing the mountain. You know, you get to the top of the mountain. If you sit around the top and look around and think how great it is, you start getting passed out. Things start not going well. And then a lot of things can happen from that. You know, you, you're you mentally, like your your self esteem or different things can happen. So, anyway, I was just like, here, I'm going to write a book. So then, yeah, I wrote the book on how you become a pro rugby player. I got Robbie Henshaw, my old teammate, to write the forward. Thanks to him. He's a good fellow to get to do it. And uh, yeah, so what do I do now? And now I've started speaking and it's branched out. So it started with young rugby players. Now it's rugby players of every age from kind of under 14 to professional that I work with one-on-one. I've also started speaking. So when I was back in Ireland before I moved here to Christchurch two months ago, I was doing talks around schools in Ireland and clubs in Ireland to help the players with the mental side of the game confidence, self-belief, fear of failure, all that stuff, doing keynote talks. And now it's branched further out. I'm working with uh, business people. So a CEO a couple of months ago was listening to my podcast. He was like, oh, hey, would you up for having a chat or whatever? I was like, absolutely. So just started talking to him. And yeah, and then tomorrow I have a talk in Bank of New Zealand to help corporate. So mindset lessons from elite sports So, what you can take from elite sports and apply in your life or your business, uh, your business world, your, your work in that sense. So yeah, that's what I'm branching into most recently, which is very challenging when I'm really excited about, you know, like I'm really comfortable with working with young rugby players. like it's too easy. I've been there. I know what I could do with my sleep. And then the next challenge was rugby players of all ages and professionals and really enjoy that as well. But then that's easy. And it's like, what's the next challenge? And you're only, it's something I've learned and, and I'm aware of now to keep doing is being uncomfortable. So like once you're comfortable, you're not growing or you have to be pushing yourself, challenging yourself. And so look, yeah, I know that I'll have nerves before talking tomorrow to people in suits and whatever, whatever, even though I used to be in that world myself, but, uh, I know I'll grow from it and I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, I love, um, love speaking, love coaching. And that's, very long-winded answer of the few different things I do. And then, yeah, the podcast as well.
0: Yeah, because it, it seems like you have, as you said, you've got the coaching, you've got speaking, you've got the podcast, you've got the book, which are all different avenues or, I guess, manifestations of um, what seems like performance or and, and mindset. That seems to be like the common thread across all of those different parts of things, whether it's working with different audiences or being delivered, like through different mediums Um, and there's so much I want to talk about all of that actually and I actually want to talk about the um, some of your tips around performance because I just think it'd be interesting but if we go back a little bit to bring people up to speed so you you know you went to school you went to college you were obviously playing a lot of sport at the time but you know you you went down a quote-unquote somewhat traditional route right like you did a degree you got a job in finance what was that kind of part of your life like what's the story there
1: Yeah. So I left uh, Ross Gray school, high school, they called here secondary school. And I was playing, I was involved in Irish schools, but got dropped for the first game. And then first year college, I made the Irish 19s and I went to college just because everyone goes to college and it was free in Ireland or it was relatively inexpensive. Like if it was in the States and it was 25 grand or whatever, I wouldn't have been taken out alone to go to college, but it was just because everyone does it. so that's why. And the only... I got, I did really well in business and economics in school and and I am and was interested in that. And that was the only thing that I had interest in that people do in college except sports, but that wasn't really looked. It's become more of a thing now, like sports coaching and coaching and sports management and all that. But when I went there, it was kind of like, oh, there's no jobs or don't do that or whatever. So I did commerce in UCD and I did that for three years. And played underage at Ireland, capped in the Connacht 20s, played with the Connacht Eagles. And I was in Dublin and I, I was asked to go to Galway by Nigel Carroll the Connacht Academy manager at the time. And I was commuting over and back. I was playing with Lansdowne the AL, and I was going back playing with Connacht and oh, a few different reasons why I didn't. Probably my, like mindset, like a lack of confidence or I just, I don't know, I just didn't go for it. I probably something I talk about now is the importance of going all in and going after it. And you, you got it. Like if you want to be successful in anything, you have to go all in. There's no two ways about it. You can't give 50% of your energy to A and 50% of your energy to B and expect to be the best you can be at A or at B. It's just, it's, it just doesn't work. So a bit of that, a bit of the kind of fear of failure and a few different other things going around. So I kind of, kept the two things going. And as I said, like kind of a bit to my de- detriment, I was good at, uh, somewhat good at school that I got mm-hmm. the 2-1 or whatever. And then I was playing with and which were, you know, incredible. And like a lot of the lads have gone on to play, most of the lads off the team have gone on to play professionally. So I was still playing really high rugby, high level rugby. And then I was working as well, nine to five. So I'd be in the gym four mornings a week, training three evenings a week and working when I say nine to five, it was half eight to six. And I was just doing that. I had no interest in it. or I I somewhat thought I did. And I tell you one day I was sitting there and I don't know about anyone else, but when you go into these offices, the way it is, is that you sit here for eight or 10 years and then you get that job. And then you sit there for eight or 10 years and then you get that job. And then you sit there for eight or 10 years and then you're the CEO or something along those lines. I remember sitting there and just I just had a realization, I was like, that's ridiculous that anyone would do that, selling their lives, selling their soul, selling their time. Like, there, there has to be more to life than that. There really has to be more to life. And even though I, for different reasons, like internally, like lack of confidence or self-doubt or whatever, that I wasn't going all in on the rugby then in my early 20s, I got an offer to go to the States on a scholarship as a player coach to do an M- to do a master's. But I only went because I, wa- I didn't want to work. I, I didn't like work. So I went back as was a kind of full-time rugby person. Then we'll say as a player coach doing a master's and I was just studying as well. And I, I always found school relatively easy in a sense, like I'm not a brain box or anything, but I was able to get by with business. You know, it's, you can kind of blag it a bit, you know, so, uh, so yes, then I went to rugby and then I went back to finance for about two years in Vancouver. And I was just like, no, no, can't do it. Not for me.
0: Okay. Hold up one second. I'm sorry to have to interrupt this episode, but I do want to remind you that if you want more content on how to find a job and a life that you love, you can find it on our socials. So on Instagram, go to Two Roads Pod, and on LinkedIn, just find my personal account called Steve Duke. And of course, these podcasts I release weekly where I interview people and that's extremely helpful for people to get inspiration and hear other people's stories and what how they did it and what they're going through but I also release a ton of other content as well to help you both figure out what it is that you want to do and also how to then make that actually happen So LinkedIn and Instagram and LinkedIn Steve Duke just my name and then on Instagram you can find us at two roads Pod. Well, um, do you regret not going all in on rugby at that point?
1: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. No, so sorry. Let me reframe that. I don't have regrets in life because I feel that you were doing the best at that time with where you were. So, at the, if I were to talk to m- my younger self now, that younger self would have would be going all in. And I have a younger brother, and that's what he's doing. So, but I didn't have the the benefit of having me or having my knowledge that I have now. So I'm all in now in everything that I do. But I do believe that, yeah, because if, yeah, just be kind to yourself and understand that when you look back on your life, that you were doing the best that you could with the information, the skills, the knowledge that you had at that time. So don't be hard on yourself because at times I did have regrets and then I understood that. So no, I don't have any like ill feeling.
0: I think that's a good point. I think that word regret is like a tricky one, right? Because it's, it's exactly like what you said. Sometimes you can separate that. Okay, sure. If I went back now with all the experience and skills, I would have done some, something differently, but I didn't. I just didn't. And so, and it's completely useless to look back and wish that you'd done something else. So, um, yeah, I totally get that. I think the one thing that I've taken away from like, so I would have had like a somewhat similar moment a lot earlier in my career. Like I never would have played like to the standard that you had, but there was a point, you know, when I was leaving school where I, I had a chance to go all in. I have no idea. I was trying to think about, I'm not really sure why I didn't. And I'm like, if I had my time back, I definitely would have. And, and what I'm taking away from that, what I've been thinking about recently is what's the version of that today for me? Because it is the, the unfortunate thing about sports is a lot of it is time bound so you know you 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 kind of have one shot really if you want to be a professional sports person you need to especially in something like rugby you have to do it in your late teens your early 20s like you can't turn around you're 35 and go i'm going to be a professional rugby player and so i'm trying to think now like what are those moments that are maybe in front of me today where i might look back in 10 years ago geez i wish i could have gone all in but uh, that's easier said than doing it as well. But I like your concept of, of going all in on things. So on that, um, it's something in the
1: book and how you become a pro rugby player. Chapter one, I talk about like what's your dream, like getting your dream, getting a vision of what your dream is, where you want to go. And then chapter two is going all in. And I've started writing a new book now, which is more general, pretty much based on what we're chatting about now. Um, essentially. And you know what you would truly like to do with your life. If you take 10 steps back and you listen to your heart, you know, because you look around at other people's lives and you say, I would love to be doing that. But then you start the fear, the self-doubt, the uncertainty gets in the way and you tell yourself, oh, well, no, well, I could settle for this. Let's go. Let's take it down two notches and go for this. But if someone was to say to you or me, whoever, hey, Stephen, hey, Brian, if you had a magic wand and you could pick the life you want, you'd be pretty good right now at picking the life you want. And I'm not playing professional rugby, but I'm pursuing the life that I want. And I know what I want and I know the life that I want to live. And I'm learning more and more as I go, but you know, it's not, and and it kind of frustrates me sometimes. People say, oh, well, it's, you know, uh, oh, well, uh, nah, I'm not saying you, but a friend of mine, like people who are unhappy in what they're doing, who are very unhappy in what they're doing, and they're kind of just plodding along. But you know what it is. And, and the thing that holds people back, I believe often, is money or fear of failure or lack of confidence. Like, oh, well, I'm earning this money in this job, but I'd love to do that, but I hate my job and I hate my life. Leave it hundred percent like one hundred per cent. Is that not ma- mind blowing? That's true. A lot of people are like that. That's true. You'd know a lot more than me on this. I hate my life, I hate my job, I hate everything. I'm really unhappy, I'm depressed, this is awful, I'm looking around at everyone else being happy, I'm jealous, I'm bitter, I'm resentful. This a, I'd love to be doing this, but I'm not gonna but I'm why do it
0: Go and do it. But what What? But what do you think it is then that stops, that, you know, because there are the rational things that you talked about there or what they will tell themselves or tell other people the reasons that they're not doing it. But what's, you know, the kind of core for why they aren't? They're afraid of what other people will think of them.
1: That's a big one. That's one of the biggest. Other people being their parents, first up, their family members, What, sorry, Tom, you, you're thinking of leaving your job in the big four to go and paint cars or to go and cut lawns or whatever the dream, I don't know, make jewelry. What? You can't do that. Are you mad? You can't do that. Oh, okay. I won't let's push that dream away for the next 10 years and then let's wait for a midlife crisis you can't do that. And then if you get, pa- or else the family or else the friends, oh, he's, you're, people are afraid of, um, yeah, like what others will say of you. or And then another one is people aren't courageous and that's a challenging thing. And that's not like flicking a switch, but they, they're not courageous enough to go after it, to leave the job, to back themselves. Cause that's what you got to do. You got to back yourself. And I think I said, I commented on one of your posts, it was like, oh, people looking for the job. And I had this moment, people looking for the job that'll f- tick all the boxes. It's like, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. No, no, no chance. I'm not going to buy it. And like, I had that, 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 uh, crossroads. I was working in finance. I was a sales and marketing director of a startup company there in Vancouver and on the outside looking at all great. But then COVID happened and I kinda saw, ah, this isn't gonna last and it lasted a lot longer than I thought, thankfully, like nine months working from home on full pay, ideal. And I was like, What am I gonna do next? And I was like, I I I cannot go onto LinkedIn and apply for some shy job that I've no interest in. And I've always had this right. I've only been in two we'll say quote unquote proper jobs in my early twenties in Dublin and this one in, in Vancouver. In when I was in the States in college, I worked uh, with a fellow who flipped house. I worked on sites, essentially loved it, loved it. Going around, doing odd jobs out in the sun, tipping around, worked with a roofer. I'd go around helping them pick stuff up from home Depot. Just unreal. It was the dream. It was the dream. And then I remember, so I had those two jobs and I remember going like, what do I even look at? And I heard of a friend working in customer success. What the fuck is customer? I'm sorry. I don't know if I can curse. My, what's a customer success? Like this made up bullshit these words nowadays, these titles, like what is this? Do you know what I mean? Like, what is this? These things didn't exist five, 10 years ago. I don't even understand what these are. Like I'm supposed to apply for, and I remember even when I was leaving commerce, I didn't, I didn't apply for any job because I didn't have any interest in any job. And then one of my friends, Ross Farrell, you might know him said, Oh, you from Lanson, he, he was in school with me. He goes, Oh, uh, the, was it milk rounds they call it or something or oh that's what and I go what's that he goes oh it's when the big four you apply for the big four I go what's the big four he goes it's these accounting firms he goes that's one of the main jobs you can get out of commerce and I'm like what is it and he's like oh as an accountant what's an accountant you do people's books I couldn't think of anything worse and I didn't (laughs) obviously didn't apply like and I still couldn't think of anything worse and then, so then I just, anyway, I left college and I was just for the summer doing nothing. I went to a recruiter and then he said, oh, there's this, he said, trying it into a bank, whatever. And then he found this job, which was actually good. It was like fund accounting. It was paid well and did that for two years. So randomly just came to me. And then this other one, I moved to Vancouver and I was chatting to a few old boy, Alicadoos in the club. I was like, oh, I just got an MBA in finance. I want to work in finance. And then they put me in touch with a guy and I started doing this. But yeah, like I, I had that trip. Dr- when the other jobs finished, I was like, go on to LinkedIn, trawl through LinkedIn, try and find a job. I know I won't like go in for an interview, try and pretend I want to do this job that I don't want to do. And then pretend more and more and then spend eight hours a day in there, not wanting to go where I'm going. And I just had that moment as like, ah, no, got to just go for it here.
0: Yeah. And So at that point, as you said, like it does take courage to do that, right? It takes courage to go off on a different path and take the other road. Um, But I'm very interested in what do you think happens in someone's life or in someone's psyche that takes them from that point of, No, I actually am a bit too afraid of it. I am worried about what other people think. And I can really empathize with all of those people because I've been in that position and I've not done things for all of those reasons, right? But then you talk to the people who are out the other side of it and they look back on it. And to them, it looks very obvious. It's like, oh, you shouldn't care what people think. And money isn't the most important thing and you should do what you love. And that's all very obvious. But when you're in the situation... It doesn't matter because it's not obvious to you. And you've got all these kind of belief systems or whatever else it is. So it's very real. Do you have any idea what happens between that first stage and that second stage that brings somebody from, I can't leave my job. I'm really worried. It's just not going to happen to actually, I've left my job. I'm doing the thing. I'm finding out what I love. Maybe I'm doing what I love. Yeah. So
1: I, when... I got pressed my mid twenties. I threw a sh- ro- a rugby injury, shoulder injury. I was kind of like you know, really bad, got re got a reconstruction. Then it relapsed and I was just in a bad way. But I started reading like philosophy, uh, was one of the main ones. And then all the other stuff as well, psychology, mindfulness, spirituality, you name, it. but philosophy, like in the Stoics, uh, they talk a lot about, um, not having regrets and, It's said a million times over Denzel Washington has a famous speech where he says, imagine you're lying on your deathbed and around the deathbed are the ghosts of the ideas that came to you, but you didn't act upon. And they're saying to you, we came to you. We, you could have been great, but you just pushed us away. And I, that's what hit me hard between the eyes. I I heard it a few different ways. And I just finished a book somewhere around me here. The top five regrets of the dying by Bronnie Ware. Brilliant book. Number one, regret. I wish I had the courage to live the life that was true to me and not the one that others expected of me. Number one, regret of dying people. She worked in palliative care for many, many years. Denzel Washington spoke that. I've had people in my life die young and they didn't have the opportunity to live the lives that they want to live. And you're arrogant. If you think you're, if you assume you're going to wake up tomorrow, there's so many people that think they are and they don't. So you can't keep delaying your happiness. You can't keep saying I'll be happy when, because I'll be happy when is a, is a condition that you hold and it never changes. I'll be happy when I get the degree. I'll be happy when I get the job. I'll be happy when I'm earning a hundred thousand. I'll be happy when I have that title. I'll be happy when I'm married. I'll be happy when I have kids. I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I have the house. I'll be happy when I have the bigger house. I'll be happy when I have this car. I'll be happier when I have the flashier car. You're always saying I'll be happy when, and you're delaying it. You got to be happy now. And I could not think of anything worse than lying on your deathbed, going, "Jeez, it's actually, I'm, I'm done now. Wow, fuck. I wish I could have. I wish I, I wish I had the courage when I was." 25, 30, 20, 40, 50. I wish I had the courage to just do it. Oh, I wish I had the courage. And that's what they all like. So people listening here are smart. They're smart. Most of them, all of them, you know, and like, you can conceptually understand that you, how bad it would be to regrets when you're older. Like, we know that. So I was not a courageous person growing up. We just both said it, like, and it's just like, oh, I just couldn't think of anything worse. And and
0: I don't think there is anything worse. So, but, so I completely agree with you. in that story, that scene, like, actually freaks me out, like, in a good way, because, it, you know, it motivates you to go and do something. But it does freak me out. Um, and as you say, I'm sitting here going, Jesus, yeah, I should be courageous. I should be more courageous. But, like, where does... It's a tough question, but like, where does courage come from? Like, how, how do you develop that? Yeah, it, it's
1: like a muscle. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. So you make a decision I'm going to live courageously. You make that decision. And that could start off with, like, if someone has very bad social anxiety, that could start off with walking into a party for 30 seconds. That could be huge courage for them. But you choose to be courageous. So you choose it. So whether it's sending that email, whether it's asking the person out on a date, whether it's whatever it is, you choose to be courageous. And when that point comes, when you're like, oh, you choose to be courageous and you be courageous. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And it's always a process, like all this stuff. Like it's something I do every day It's like, I, I tell myself, I'm going to live courageously. And I'm going to do it because it's so easy not to send the email. It's so easy not to make the call. It's so easy not to do these things and to let fear overrule you and to go caution conservatively and just not be courageous. But you know, every time you do it, every time you be courageous, you feel incredible after, regardless of what happens. If they say yes or no, it doesn't matter. You get, it boosts your self-esteem. You feel like someone who is to be respected and you feel good about yourself and you keep doing it. And it's scary, but you then become someone who walks towards that fear versus who shies away from it. If you always shy away from the
0: scary stuff and that you're gonna feel a bit worthless. Mm. And how do you deal with when it doesn't work out though? Cause that hurts, right? When you are courageous, when you, when you send a text asking the girl out and, and she doesn't reply. And you're like oh my god i feel like an idiot i feel like an idiot like how do you not let that you know stop building your courage yeah good question
1: and fear of failure is one of the biggest things that when i'm working with people that to overcome that fear of failure and i cert whether it's on a sports field or it's in life like we're talking about and michael jordan everyone knows him hopefully but The best basketballer of all time. I like LeBron, but there's just no question. And one of the best sports people of all time, also a self-made billionaire. So if you're looking at someone for a blueprint for success, he'd be a good one. And people are probably aware of the quote, I've missed 9,000 shots. I've lost over 300 games in my life. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. They all talk about it. Kobe Bryant says, if you're afraid to fail, you're probably going to fail. We're all aware that you have to fail if you're to explore your potential. You can, J.K. Rowling said, you can live life so cautiously and conservatively conservatively that you never fail at anything. But if you do that by proxy, you've failed in life itself. So these people, they've said, these people are telling, all these successful people that we all admire are all telling us, telling it to us. And you know it if you've played, you've played sport, And if anyone who's played sport, you know that you have to push, you have to back yourself, you have to go for it. And sometimes the pass doesn't come off. Sometimes you missed a shot like Mikey Jordan talked about, but that's all good. You're exploring your potential. You can never take a shot and you'll never miss a shot. You can never play a match. You'll never lose a match. You can never send a text. You'll never get rejected. But like JK Rowling said, you fail life itself then. And The more I've just, even in the last year or two, understood this myself in that the more you fail and they've said it, I'm not, this isn't me, but this is what I've learned. The successful people say it. The more you fail, the more you succeed. Like Michael Jordan said, I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. So I personally now try to fail. I'm like, how much can I fail? Let's go. I Genuinely, I'm putting reels out on Instagram. On off-field rugby, just throwing them out there. Some because I've learned they all say it. Gary Vee, all these people, just keep going, keep going, keep going. This book isn't a New York Times bestseller, but if I didn't write this book, I won't be able to write the New York Times bestseller. Just keep going, just put it out there. The podcast, I didn't have it all sussed out when I started. I still don't have it all sussed out. It's it's going to be so much better in a year's time than it is now. I'm just just put it out there. Just go, just go. See what works. See what doesn't fail, succeed, and just keep going and going and going. And it's actually class when you switch your mindset to how much can I fail? Let's just keep going and see what works, see what doesn't. It's so liberating to not see failure as I'm useless and my and I'm no good, to seeing failure as, oh, that's just a a barometer. That's just an arrow pointing me in the right direction. Don't go quite this way. Just go this way. Change it a little bit and it's just helpful. So it's just in all areas of life. It's in my, when I'm coaching rugby on the grass, when I'm coaching people one-on-one who are athletes or who are in business, it's, you know, don't be afraid to do it. Just have a crack. It's all good. Like how many times do companies do marketing campaigns that don't quite work? It's obvious. Even, I, I don't know anything about Facebook ads or Instagram ads, but I've heard one or two things and they say like, you know, just have a small little budget, try things out, see what works, see what doesn't work. And then refine and go from there. It's not sit on the sidelines and plan and plan and plan till you think, till you're certain that everything is 100% right and then go. No, no, no one ever says that. You just know step one, you take step one, you go for it, see
0: what works, see what doesn't. I mean, I completely agree. I think it's still something that I'm personally building, you know. Um, cause again, like I'm listening to you here going, yeah, completely agree. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, completely agree. But then it comes to actually doing something and there's still the voice in your head that says, well, seems a bit risky. Maybe you should hang off. Maybe don't send that email. Maybe don't send that text. But, um, yeah, sometimes I just, I just like, if you have that tiny moment of courage, whatever it is, just like press send in that like tiny split second, cause then it's gone. You can't get it back, you know, <laughs> which I quite like. And then the other one I have is like, I actually have like the quote written out here above my screen, um, which is perhaps cliched at this point, but it's the man in the arena one. And that's a story. I I think it helps have a story that you tell yourself when maybe things aren't going well or when you have failed. And for me, the man in the arena is kind of a good one because it's all about, okay, maybe you're failing, but at least you're trying. At least you're the one in there. And people might be laughing at you, whatever else, but they're on the sidelines and they don't count. The only people that came to the ones who are in there trying. And that's kind of a story that I'm able to tell myself. And it just, it, it, it kind of calms me or something. It gives me like, it's like, oh yeah, that's fine. You can fail all day. At least you're trying. And that's quite nice.
1: 100% I think about what you're saying every single day. The The idea behind the mandarin every single day. I, I have awareness of that myself because there are people there that are laughing at me, that are laughing at you they're there. Cause I used to be one of them. When I was a teenager growing up, I was so insecure. I was afraid of going after my own dreams that I used to laugh at people trying to achieve theirs. And a lot of people in Ireland are like that, the small, or the tall poppy syndrome, the crab factor. You try and cut people down who, who raise their head and New Zealand's like that. Wales, America are the exact opposite, but, um, and it's something that when i went to america i actually liked because i went over there and they were like go for it man go for it. you know they were just so they're overly enthusiastic and i remember myself and a friend we said hey you know they're all into rugby and we were 23 or 22 23 and they were we were saying like oh you could have like a a summer camp and you know, bring it for two days and bring all the local kids in. We're just talking one day at the bar after training. They were like, great idea. Let's do it. And we were kind of like, Oh no, no, I didn't mean actually do it. I was just like thinking of an idea. And they're like, you'd be great. You'd be brilliant. Great idea. Business. This is going to be a business. We're going to set up an academy. Great. I love your idea. Let's do it. And they're like, it's going to work It'd be awesome. Let's go. And they just love try. And that's what helped me flip it. But, uh, Oh, I used to I used to sit around and with my other friends who were like that and go, look at that idiot. Look at him starting an Instagram page. Who's he to be doing that? Losers. They're losers. And the thing is, I'm saying it because I was one of them, and you know it as well, that you don't even care about those people. You don't even care about their opinion. You know that they're losers. You know that they're unhappy, the naysayers. They're sad, they're bitter, they're resentful because they're not living the life that they want to live. So they try and they hang around with other people like that. And they try and cut down people who are, who they see, they see the lack in them. They see people who are trying, who are, who have, once again, are courageous, who are giving it a shot and they try and cut them down and Hey, they're there. Don't get me wrong. I I don't for a second think that there aren't people, um, who are that way towards me. But every time I put up a podcast, put up a real talk about the book and how you become a pro rugby player, whatever it is, or just this different stuff, do what I do. I'm beating them. It's me versus them as well. I see that. I'm not going to allow. Uh, uh, Stephen Pressfield, the author talks about um, resistance at the war of art. Great book. And, religious people talk about the devil and some people talk about the enemy and it's that feeling inside you, which is telling you don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. They're going to laugh at you. Don't do it. No, no, no. Just don't bother doing that. That's that feeling. And it's true. And it's there. And and it's what we're talking about. And it's, we all know it. And it's just there all the time, no matter where you go, no matter how quote unquote successful you are, no matter what you do, it's always there. And, And one big part of it is you're thinking, Oh, what will other people think of me? But every time you beat Resistance, the enemy, the devil, whatever name you want to put on it. Every time you beat it, you're winning. So it's you versus, it's you versus that all the time. And that's what takes, you know, courage. But it's, you want to be beaten that you don't want that to rule you. Because once again, you let that rule you your whole life, you're going to be sitting on the deck going, geez, what a waste I
0: wish. That sounds pretty terrifying. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm interested because you clearly, have a very good understanding of you know psychology and mindset and, and spirituality and it seems like you actually practice it as well right you're not just somebody who's sitting there and espousing all of these things you're actually doing it but did, did that come from your journey with depression or was it something else yeah so when i went to the states i mentioned they're 23
1: i was I was playing American football, another story. I walked, I just had a crack at that and I was playing the college. And one day I fell awkwardly in training, pain in my shoulder. I'd never had a serious injury. I was always run it off, played off, whatever. This was getting worse and worse. It wasn't getting better. And next minute I just said, I have to get a scan. Cause it was just, the shoulder was so sore. Um, t- showed that I tore my cartilage, need surgery. I waited four months for the surgery, got that. Rehab was very difficult. I always loved a challenge, but it was mentally draining, to be honest. Anyone who's had a serious surgery will know. And then, as I said, yeah, five months in, shoulder relapsed, and I had already been quite mentally drained, and I had no mental support. That's another reason of why I do what I do, because, you know, do this exercise to get the shoulder right, but no one really talked. I had no support around how I was feeling mentally. Like, I was drained. I was I was low. I wouldn't say I was poor mental health. I don't know, but I was just being challenged a lot. I was, I was low. And then that just set me over the edge. And yeah, I just started drinking heavily, doing drugs just to, to feel happy again. And then anyway, I got into, I, I got so low and, um, there was one day I was going back to the States and I got my shoulder right back in Ireland, went back to get cortisol, cortisol injections and like intense rehab and went to see specialists and got the shoulder right. And I just said, I was in a rush. I'd gotten off the drink and all that then, but I just, I need to get back to me myself. So I need to get my purpose back. That was all I knew. I, I that was the one thing I knew. I didn't see, uh, any counseling. I didn't get help in that way. I didn't talk to anyone, but I would encourage everyone to obviously, but when you're going through it at the time, you, yeah, you're not thinking straight and you feel weak and you know, you think that you're, you're a weak person for, for going through it. And anyway, I was going back to the States. I got a player coach role because I just said rugby is always my thing playing a coaching. Guy, I love it. I have purpose. I just, I need that. So I was, went up to Dublin Airport and I had a visa still for the States, but I was just, my mind wasn't right. And I was thinking, oh, what if they turn me away? Because you hear, you know, the border guards at Dublin Airport, the pre clearance, they, they're, they're scary. And I was just thinking, if I get turned, what if I get turned away? And my brother John has dropped me up and I just said, hey, John, would you just hang? Get a coffee until I get through pre-clearance because don't go back to Balnax. I'm not sure if I'll get through. And he was like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll, I'll pull in. And I was going down the stairs to pre-clearance in Dublin airport and walking over to the queue and I looked and I saw the border guards and I just said to myself, I thought I would prefer to get through those border guards, get on the plane and the plane crash than I would to get turned away and have to go back to Balna." And at that moment, I just said, Brian, stop, stop. Like, you don't want to die. Like, stop. That's, and I just was like, oh my God, Jesus. Like, stop. Whoa, Jesus!" That thought came into my mind. Oh my God. Like, and I just caught it. And at that moment, I decided enough is enough. I'm going to do everything I can to understand the mind. Like, how have I gone from an excited, enthusiastic, ambitious, driven, determined person who loved life, everything about it, loved the challenges, loved everything to now thinking that dying wouldn't be the worst. And so I made a decision there and then that I was just going to, I was going to learn, I was going to find out the answers. And I just went down every rabbit hole I could, as I, I mentioned, I've mentioned them a few times, spirituality, mindfulness, um, psychology, philosophy, those are kind of the main ones. And like Stoicism was a big one, then Buddhism, like Eastern, um, kind of religions or spirituality, all this stuff, mindfulness another one. started meditating, tried it, didn't work, tried it again, didn't work, kept trying it. Now I've not, not meditated for three years daily. I do it exercise. And I just, number one for me is be happy. Number one is be happy. What's the point in, in being unhappy? What's the point? Like it is number one cause I've been there. I've been so depressed when you wake up and you're like, I don't even you just see no brightness in the day. There's no, like, it could be summer, but there's just no, you're just dull. Like you could be told the best news ever, but you're just dull. You see no happiness in anything and you see no future. And it's just, it's awful. It's awful. So like, it doesn't matter what you have materially if you're depressed and, you know, in sports, you hear about Tyson Fury winning the world title and was depressed and was drinking and want, tried to kill himself. What's the point in being heavyweight champion of the world if you're trying to kill yourself? Johnny Wilkinson kicked the win drop goal in the 0-3 World Cup and said that walking off the field, he was depressed because he had, cl- he, he talks about it in death, but he had climbed the mountain and he had nothing now and that he was depressed then for a good period after and suffered a lot with his mental health. And he's a brilliant advocate, but like, what's the point? We all like, Oh, I wish I was playing with Ireland. I wish I was playing with England. I wish I was heavyweight champion in the world. I wish I was really rich. I wish I was, nothing matters if you're not happy. So that's just for me, number one. And so I've just, I've learned and I'm always learning. And don't get me wrong. This isn't like, I'm hundred percent happy, like a Buddhist monk every day, all day. It's not like I get stressed. I get, I get, but I'm, I've just awareness of it. Like if I get like 5%, I just bring up, I have awareness of it and I have tools. And so my morning routine is a huge one. It's just an anchor for me. I just know that when I go to bed early, I plan my day the night before. So turn the, sorry, I'll go back a step again, put my technology away an hour before bed, read or plan my day for tomorrow. Just wind down, get a good sleep, have the same uh, sleep schedule all week, go to bed around 9, 9.30, maybe get up at 5, 5.30. I met. I co- jump in the cold shower. I meditate. I go and do a workout, which is F45 at the moment. And then after that, I'm good. I'm buzzing. I'm bouncing around the place. And I'm good and I wake up, but that just sets me. And sometimes, don't get me wrong, I hang out with the lads and I stay up late on a Saturday. I don't drink anymore, really. I, have, I had two or three beers there a few weeks ago, um, I'll have a couple of beers every few months or whatever, Um, but, uh, I don't really drink because it throws me off. You know, if I stay up till midnight and then I wake up at 10 AM the next day, nothing wrong with it. Do what you want to do. I did it for, I did it for six years between the age of 18 and 24, but you know, I did it for eight years, whatever. Do what you want to do eight years. I did it for, do what you want to do, but I don't feel that good. If I'm, when people talk about, when they're hung over, they talk about the fear. That's not the fear. That's anxiety. That's no, 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 don't, let's not, let's not sugarcoat this. That's anxiety. I have the fear. I have anxiety. Why? Okay. So we're all, all mental health's a big thing now. We're all talking about our mental health and this, that, the other, but you got to help yourself first. And that's another thing. It's you got to help you. Okay. And that's what I've found, you know, and it's, and I just know like, Hey, I, I loved going drinking 12 pints and fucking dancing around for hours. And then, but I, I don't love being depressed and anxious for two or three days. <laughs> so, and I don't, yeah. And so something's got to give and you know, so anyway, I just, I know what works for me. I know what works for me. And, and even, sorry, one other level on that, like diet's another huge thing. Like if I'm eating shite all the time, I feel like shite and it affects your mental health because it affects your gut microbiome, which affects your, essentially your mental health and it throws you off. So don't get me wrong. I eat bars of chocolate, but am I eating chocolate all day, every day? No. Don't get me wrong. I love a takeaway, but am I eating takeaways three, four nights a week? No. I'm eating healthy. I don't You know, I'm eating the the vegetables, I'm eating good food, clean food, and it's not as enjoyable, but neither is working out, neither is going to sleep early. But, hey, I'm telling you, it's
0: worth it. I think there's, um, when you're talking there, I'm thinking that there's, there's kind of two things, right? There's two parts of it. One is, like, figuring out what it is that makes you happy. And then the other one is just doing that. And that needs courage and discipline, whatever else. But I think the first one is unless you have the first one, the second one doesn't really matter, right? So I would be the same. I would be somewhat similar to you. And I realized I actually don't, I used to love a big night out. Don't get me wrong. Every now and again, I will have one or a wedding or whatever else, but it's fairly infrequent. Because I realized, net, it doesn't actually make me happy. And yesterday was, you know, Anzac Day. We had a big day off here. Everyone was in the pub at 12 o'clock. I went, I was like, you know what? Drinking now for the day and waking up tomorrow hungover would be awful like I would not be a happy man everyone's doing this. hundreds thousands of people around me doing it I was like do you know what I know now I know enough about myself that, that is not a good decision that makes me happy so then I was like right I'm not gonna drink and then it was three o'clock and I was like show you know lads I'm going home see you later good luck have a good one I'll catch you later on um but it took me a long time to figure that out right like I went through years of my life where still every Saturday or whatever else you go out you get pissed you wake up in the morning, hungover anxiety until basically Tuesday, um, and then you're like, well, why did I do that? I'm not really sure, but I'll probably do it again next weekend anyway. But wh- how do you, like, when you hear somebody else's situation, it's glaringly obvious. If somebody told you that, you'd be like, well, you don't need a rocket scientist or a therapist to figure out what might make you happy. But what are the things that you have done or any epiphanies that you might have had to realize, do you know what? I like having my morning routine. I like when I, how I feel when I eat well, or is it just really, there's not really much to talk about and it's just stupidly obvious?
1: Yeah, no, no, it's a good question. And a couple of things come to mind. And first thing is self-awareness is a big one. So developing self-awareness. And as I said, when I was younger, I lived this way and it's only in the last few years. But I heard a thing from Chris Williamson, I think his name is, um, he has, well, is it Modern Wisdom or something? A podcast, but he said that there is a there is a a principle that sometimes for cha- for you to be forced into change, things need to get really bad. Which is true. You need to hit rock bottom. So, and it's like we were talking about earlier about the job. If the job isn't that bad, you'll keep doing it. If the job is just it's not great, you'll keep doing it. But if your boss is actually bullying you and you are being abused every day, you'll be pushed to a point that it's so bad that you have to quit. And so for me as well, what I was saying, like, I had heard about this stuff. Like I'd heard about sports psychology, but to be honest, I had quite a fixed mindset and I'd heard, but I don't need that. You know, I didn't need it. And it was just, you know, things went so bad that it was like, poof, I, I need anything I can get. So that was the first, that was, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is self-awareness and like, I brought awareness to, like I'm introverted, and when I look back, I enjoyed the times when I'd be living up in Dublin at college and the housemates would go home and I'd be on my own for a day and a half or two days. You know, I'd play a match on a Saturday and then, or or I'd be playing lands on 20s on a Sunday, and I'd be from Friday afternoon till Sunday morning, I'd be on my own. And I, I remember really enjoying that, like watching TV on a Friday evening and having all day Saturday to myself, just going around and doing whatever but then I suppose I brought awareness to in my mid, I don't know, mid twenties. I was like, Oh, I'm, I in I'm it." I, but that's, and that's okay. That's okay. Whereas, you know, sometimes people, what a weirdo, you know, at, at first it's like, what do you mean you're not coming out or what do you mean you're not hanging out? And I, that used to take energy for me, you know, to go and hang out on a Tuesday evening or something. I was like, couldn't think of anything worse now. Like I couldn't think of anything worse. Like once a week is, or no, I do. Try, I train Tuesday, Thursday, I coach rugby. I'm, you know, I meet people all the time, but anyway, just bringing self-aware awareness to what works for you. And then I like that. The, the sleep, like sleep's a huge thing for everything, for, for performance, for recovery, for mental health once again so sleep is something to dial in and there's there's many different things you can do but it's something you got to dial in and the one of the most important things is i have found is going to bed at the same time waking up at the same time every day including the weekends tunics of course you can push an hour or so either way but that's huge so if you go to bed at 10 PM during the week and you go to bed at 2 AM on the weekend, then that's a four hour difference. So the reason you're so tired on Monday morning is essentially you're four hours jet lagged. Your body clock has been thrown four hours off and you're jet lagged. (laughs) So, and then you, and when you're sleep deprived, then you're more likely to say, give me that donut. I'm so tired. Or give me the, you know, the sugar in my coffee or the takeaway. And you know, you're more likely to, to eat those, that, that shitty food. And then that's also bad for you. And it's just, so it's, that's, I don't know, sleep is a really good anchor. It's really, it's something that everyone obviously should have dialed
0: in or try to get dialed in. Yeah. And to come back to, you know, what you do today, right. And I'm very interested to know what a day in your life might look like, because most people that I talk to, once I know roughly what they do for a job, Probably get a decent sense of it. And they always fill me in and tell me stuff that I don't know, but I have no idea what your day might look like apart from your morning routine and maybe before you go to bed. But what happens in the middle?
1: Yeah, so I'm in New Zealand now, and most of the players I work with are in the UK and Ireland, a few in uh Canada, or North America. But our morning in New Zealand is their evening. So I up at five, do that stuff F 45 at six, finish 645, and then come home and I'm available kind of seven 30 to nine 30. So I'll probably, you know, have a one-on-one call or record a podcast. Um, there'll be, you know, I'll be busy that kind of period of time. And then after that, so as I mentioned, I'm writing another book. So I'll, then it's kind of ad hoc, you know, from then on. And it's kind of, we'll see. So like today I met a guy for a coffee who uh, he, I think he viewed, did he view me on LinkedIn or added me or from Christchurch and he's like a leadership, he's an ex army guy. Who's does kind of somewhat similar stuff to I do, but not really, but kind of, and he's helps companies with leadership. And he had me, I said, Hey, do you want to go for me for a coffee? Met him for a coffee, had a chat. Um, And then I also sent some marketing documents to the printer to get ready for my talk tomorrow because i have a talk in bnz tomorrow so i want to hand out those marketing documents to which shares information on the work i do with companies the keynotes i do the lunch and learns the consultancies i do with companies and the one-on-one coaching that i do with business people so i'll pick that up tomorrow morning but then yeah i have the talk tomorrow i coach rugby tuesday thursday evenings and on saturdays so that's all the time and then as that I've just moved here to Christchurch and I'm talking to two schools there on Easter holidays the last two weeks, but I'm talking to two schools about working with them, working with one school as a coach educator. So I would be essentially over the coaches, helping them like the under 14, fifteens, junior cup, senior cup, like just working with them on just, yeah, just helping the players and the coaches kind of being over them. And then with the other school, it's to do the mental skills with their kind of, we'll say, quote unquote, performance teams, they're kind of senior cup, junior cup equivalent. So that will then fill my kind of three 30 to six on the other evenings. So the other evenings will be busy. So I have a kind of stacked morning and stacked morning are kind of one-on-ones or podcasts or whatever. Then the middle is usually quite flexible. And then the evenings will fill up afternoons, evenings and, uh, be it in schools, be it in, um, the club and then yeah, weekend. So, and I just, I, I started, you know, that, that new book and that project. So that's kind of an eight month thing. And I just like to have, there's something about me as well. Like, you know, talk like anxiousness, like I want to be busy. Like when you're working for yourself as well, like I've only just got comfort, I still haven't really with using the word entrepreneur. I don't know why, but someone said that I'm like, Oh, well, like, Oh, I don't know where, but that's what I am. I don't know. I, I don't know why I've, uh, I've, I'm, a, I'm, I don't know. It's kind of like, seems uglier seems like, Oh, don't say that. Or I don't know, but it's nothing to be anyway. That's so, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I take time off. I, I understand balance. I go for walks. I'm, I'm not working around the clock, but I want to be, you know, you have to have a vision. You have to have a dream. You have to have a challenge. As I was saying, you have to be climbing a mountain. If you get to the top of the mountain, you can't just stand there and chill and wait and hang out. And so, um, I started writing the next book. And so that's that, I just know that that'll just keep me busy. So if I have spare time, I'll be able to fill it. So say that 10 AM to 2 PM or whatever, like there's always stuff, marketing documents, Someone else edits the podcast, but like editing, I'm transferring that over, but like, I still do edit a lot of the podcasts, the off-field rugby pod, getting people on it, getting in touch with people, um, uh, pushing out to, like, I'm going, speaking to all the rotary clubs around Christchurch doing talks there. Um, so I kind of pushed out 20 emails. I've got back seven, I think, and then, you know, I'll follow up and, getting out that way. And then, like I said, like networking a little bit, that's something that I had never done, but, and that the word networking is kind of scary. I used to find it very scary, but it's not, it's actually just, meeting someone and having a chat (laughs) it's not scary (laughs) so like uh, you know i'd go and literally meet some like that like i sent the message to your man and we had the best chat ever this like ex-army guy from australia who's living here in christchurch we had the best chat ever for an hour and a half and he's just like thank you so much for reaching out whatever whatever. and i was like yeah man i would have been nervous about it but we're just like he's like anytime let's chat and we just had the best chat ever because i was like this is a like-minded person and you know, you can always learn. And that's something else that I've realized, you know, you can always learn. And I used to think I knew it all, but you got to have that beginner's mindset. So anyway, the days are going back to it, the days are pretty, pretty flexible. And then another random one, um, the big thing is opening yourself up to any opportunity, just being open. Very important in, in life. And you mentioned the word manifesting, and that's a very important part of it is you have a vision, you have idea, and then you you be open and you allow it to happen. You don't try and force it to happen. You allow it to happen. And just a random one that came in is, I mean, I started doing F45 and then I don't know if I can say this, but anyway, um, yeah, they're going to be doing a podcast and I'll be hosting it. So that's just something that came about. And, uh, so then that'll fit in, you know, I'll fit that in and, um, host the
0: podcast and, and just, yeah, just, that's, I think I think stuff like that, though, it always, opportunities like that crop up when you are open and when you're just going out there and you're putting energy out. And it, it, it may not be this formulaic thing where it's like, oh, I DM'd them asking them about this opportunity and they dm you me back and said, yes, let's go, Brian. Um, but it'll just pop out of somewhere new. But it, it doesn't happen if you're sitting at home doing nothing. If you're sitting, like, oh, oh yeah. What was I say? was say is like nothing happens sitting on your ass at home. Like it just doesn't. Like you know, and um, no one's going to come and knock on your door and say, "Hey, Stephen, do you want to go do this really cool thing?" Just that's not how life works. But so it's it, it sounds like a very varied day. But you do have some structure on kind of either ends of it, I guess. Um, and then from an income perspective, are you just kind of getting paid in different ways from all of like multiple different sources? Exactly that. Yeah. So it's something as well I learned like, you know,
1: you've we've all heard it like um have multiple sources of income. And like I was, don't get me wrong, I was earning very good money when I was working in finance in Vancouver. Um and but yeah, I'm like just building up different ways. Like the one-on-one coaching is is monthly. Um so it's just people sign up and sign up yeah, for monthly and we chat, we can chat once a month on zoom, twice a month on zoom or three times. And most of them choose once a month. And then sometimes they'll go, they'll go twice a month. And so that's just regular, you know, like I have one-on-one clients and then the talks in schools, that's something I'm building up. So like three weeks ago, I did a talk in a school here, St. Margaret's in Christchurch to all of their coaches on how you implement mental skills in your teams. And then, you know, i love have other talks and I, as I've started working with businesses. And so the talk, sorry, the one-on-one clients is one thing. The book sales is another thing. The book and how you become a pro rugby player, the podcast had a sponsor for a year and then they're brilliant and they sponsored for a year. And then they've sponsored club, um, lands rugby club. And they're, they're like, oh, Hey, I'm, I'm taking on this sponsorship. I was like, Hey, unreal. Yeah, go for it. So had that. And then, will it get more sponsors in the podcast? That's three. And then, yeah, talks, um, the coaching in the schools. Like I said, those two different schools, they're going to be. And one of the schools, was like, hey, can you do a cricket? I was like, yep, yep, for sure. You know, it's all the same. And that's on the. When I wrote the book, and I become ro- pro rugby player, I was like, I want to help. As I said from the start, I want to help young rugby players. Like, I was the young rugby player who suffered with the confidence and nerves and who who allowed self doubt to hold him back from going after his dreams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I want to help young rugby players. So I was just so hell bent on that for a year, 18 months. And then I was doing a talk in, uh, St. Jared's in Bray and the principal said like, unreal, want to get you in. Would you be able to, could the hockey girls go in as well? And I was like, yeah. And then, you know, in, um, Rockwell in Tipperary. And then they were like, I think it was hockey Girls, The girls are the back. They're like, Oh, couldn't the hockey girls in too? Yes. And so anyway, the next, the next book I'm writing, it's very general. It's not sport related per se. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier in the podcast about, you know, having a dream. How, how do you, how do you find your dream? How do you go after it? How do you have the courage to do it and just given a roadmap for that? And so it's just happened that I've kind of branched out a little bit. And then, like with the people I work with, you know, it's just happened that, you know, as a cricketer recently in New Zealand, just word of mouth and whatever, and started chatting to a cricketer. And so, um, and then the business of, as I said, a CEO was listening to the podcast. And, you know, I'm thinking of changing the name of the podcast now because I've had it quite a few times where someone be like, oh, you know, someone sent me your podcast and they said, it's not really, it's, it's not really about rugby. You'll enjoy it. And I'm a sailor and I'm hoping to get into the Olympics. And I love the way you're kind of talking about like going after your dreams or whatever, whatever. And I find it so beneficial. And then like, you know, other people like, Oh, I'm, I'm not really into that, into rugby, but I loved when you're talking to this guy, someone sent it on to me and, and I enjoy a podcast. And then I was kind of like crap. Like I'm kind of like, I'm snookering myself here. So, so I'm thinking of changing the name to it, um, name of it to make it more general. And as I said, then a CEO reached out to me in the UK. It was just like, Hey, I love your stuff. Can we have a call? And so working with him one-on-one and just the coaching is the same, like uh, achieving your dreams is the same, whether it's in sport, whether it's in business, whether it's in life, you have a, you have a vision, you get a vision, you get a dream, and then you take away the blocks that are holding you back from achieving that. And then you get your mindset right. Like everything is mindset. Everything is. Everything is mindset. Like we're. It's not skills and talent. They all say it. It's the mindset to work hard. It's the mindset to go all in. It's the mindset to be courageous. Everything we're talking about is mindset. It's not, oh, he was born six foot ten. No. There's lots of six foot ten people that aren't in the NBA. There's lots of fast be- You played with lots of rugby players who were so talented when they were 16, but they went drinking we all, you know what I mean? We, we, it's, it's all mindset. So yeah, so that's how I, you know, I just start branching out and I'm
0: enjoying that as well. So, I mean, like the, the, the premise of this podcast, right, is that it's to help people find an, a job that they love primarily, but of course, like also build other parts of their life so they can, they can live a happy life. Um, if you were to take kind of all that you've learned about mindset, psychology, spirituality, philosophy, and trying to, to, if you were speaking to somebody, say, who's maybe in their 20s, they've come out of college, did did a degree, they're working in their job. As you said, they're in a situation where they don't love their job, but they don't hate it. They're grand, they're cozy, you know, they're not saying, geez, Brian, well, life's a mess I'm depressed. They're just like... I thought there was a bit more maybe, I'm maybe looking for a bit more. What would your, what would you say to that person um, from a kind of a mindset and psychology perspective?
1: Yeah, so 100% and don't get me wrong, I know it probably went a bit like intense in the middle about, um, you know, go after it. And, and I'm not saying to everyone, quit your job tomorrow. If you're not hundred percent happy with it, I'm not saying that at all. And I will, I know that I will be an employee again in my life. Cause I have big dreams of coaching rugby and I want to, like, I want to be hired as a rugby coach in a rugby club. Like, and then I will quote unquote be an employee with the job. And so don't get me wrong. Like, my dreams are to be that. And, and as I said with the schools, like I'll be going back to that as well. Like I'll be an employee. So, wrong, well, what I would say to that person is, you know, what makes your heart sing, you know, deep down what you love doing. And you have to do that, you have to express that. So if that is painting, if that is coaching rugby, if that is well, we'll say playing rugby, a lot of people they get there, or if it's going playing basketball, if it's whatever it is, you have to understand what you love doing and you have to do it. And now I would encourage people to have a side hustle. So if you have an idea of starting a podcast, if you have an idea of starting an Instagram page or I don't know, girls talk about Etsy pages, making jewelry. I don't know what that is, but you know, that kind of thing, it looks cool. Um, Or if you have an idea of doing something like that, you have to do it. You have to do it and give it 30 minutes a day. Okay. If you're working a job, eight hours a day, nine hours a day, you always have 30 minutes. Everyone has 30 minutes. Look at your screen time on your phone and then you'll realize you have 30 minutes to give. Give your dream 30 minutes and just start with that. Like we said earlier, have the courage to do the podcast, have the courage to start the Instagram page, have the courage to make the reel, have the courage to start writing the book 30 minutes a day, seven days a week. Just do it because you need to express that that's in you. And I believe we all have greatness. Everyone has greatness within them, but you have to express that you can't keep suppressing it. And you will look around at other people who are truly doing what you want to do and you'll be bitter and resentful. And you'll be looking at them going, I could be better than them. They're not even that good. Who's he to even do that? Who's she to do that? She was an idiot. But, and the reason you are that way is because you are not expressing your creativity, what you, the greatness that you have within you and being that way, that bitter, that resentful, that, and it's so toxic for yourself. It's like, it's awful. And it'll kill you like, oh, it eats you up. And I've been there, but you need to start living your dream. You need to start doing it. You need to be the man in the arena. You need to do it. And I'm not, as I said, not saying quit the job, but I'm saying be courageous, step into the arena, make the Instagram page, make the TikTok page, start the podcast. All you need to know is the first step. Another thing people say is, oh, I don't know. You just need to know the first step. Take the first step. The second step will present itself then. Don't worry about making money. Don't worry about anything. Just help people. See how you can help people. That's all it's about—is helping people. Zig Ziglar, famous motivational speaker, said, "If you help enough people get what they want in life, you can have thing you want in life." Or he may have said the other way around: "You can have thing you want in life if you help enough people get what they want in life." And just help people. Just yeah. So just start where you're at. But you know, we all know it. Like. Would you agree with that, like did you know that you had something within you like, "I want to be, start a podcast, but you didn't do it for for months or a while, and you knew you wanted to do something, and then you just did it, you had to do it. It came to a point where you were just like, "I gotta do it, I'm doing it
0: yeah, so i think I think there's two things for me, so I think is like if I look at um I can't remember the exact words you said, but like the things that you really love, like what do you really love? I think it took me a while to figure that out, not because it was anything new, but because I wasn't very good at tapping into that part of myself, because you got to go a few layers deep and tap into like a real emotional, almost spiritual layer of yourself to figure out what that is. And it took me a long time, I would say, to get there. But once you do and you realize it, you know what it is. Like you just, you just, it's so glaringly obvious. That you're not asking yourself that question anymore so i th- I, d- I agree with that but i do think it took me a while to get there with the podcast side of things yes i've been talking about this i would have talked you know if you asked me my friends jeez i would have talked about it for ages i recorded for maybe three or four podcasts on a different thing with made in Mine, never released it you know stupid mm-hmm. stuff but eventually it came to a point where i was like right that's it i'm doing it it was really kind of an inconvenient time for me to do it but i was just like one episode published. That's it. I just publish one episode. Don't think any further than that. And then I got that out. And what's amazing is once you do that, momentum kicks in. And people don't people don't realize that. They think they're gonna have to go the whole way, you know, on their own. But this reinforcing thing happens, right? You release one podcast. And I was like, put up on LinkedIn or something. Hey, I released a podcast. And then people message you and they go, Jesus that podcast was great. That was awesome. Like I really enjoyed that. Fair play to you. I love what you're doing. It's a really great concept. And then you're like, geez, I should release another one. And now you've got the motivation to release a second one. Then you release a second one. And then the person that you interviewed for the second one goes, do you know who you should talk to? You should talk to such and such. Let me introduce you to it. Now you've got your third episode. You actually now have to record it because you've been introduced to this person. And so I think that's a, I love that idea of momentum. It's just like, just push the ball a little bit and it'll start rolling and it gets it gets easier it doesn't get harder it actually gets easier once you start moving and and so i love that advice if all you need to do is take take the first step i think it's very practical because if somebody's in a job that they're not loving and they're like oh but i want to do this sort of thing making the leap of oh i'm going to go quit my job and next week i'm going to do that thing that's big right but the whole look can you do something for 30 minutes today that's doable and it moves them a step closer. So I really like that as a piece of
1: advice. Cheers! And one other thing, I would say that I fully understand what you were saying about the first thing. With like, it took me a while to get there, and an issue is is that people live in their heads, so they overthink and they live in their heads. And this, you've your head in your heart, and. It's like when people, when I heard, I heard this only recently, like a while back, but like when you have a tough decision to make, don't listen to your head, listen to your heart. Your heart will never tell you wrong. Your head gets conditioned. You're are someone else says like, your mind is not your mind. It's what you're, if you listen to the news, the worst thing that anyone can do, if anyone wants one silver bullet to help their mental health, turn off all news, cut off from everything, become ignorant of it all. It's, it gives you anxiety, get away from it. And Like if I, you, Stephen, in the next couple hours, will be thinking about it. It'll just, a thought will come into your mind about our chat, into your mind, because that's what you've, um, the external stimulus has been. And so, you know, if you open your phone and someone sends you a text, you'll be thinking about it. So your mind is just what you're getting externally, but your, your heart doesn't change like what you want to do truly. And we just, we get so caught up in our heads and mindfulness is to get you out of your head but something as well a a really easy one a simple one to to, that people can try is when you push yourself very hard physically you get out of your head completely so if you get onto a watt bike and you just go hard for an hour you'll get off and you'll just and you're you'll be spiritual is the only word to call it you know what I mean like you'll be so spent that you're not going to be able to think about the chatter and so the cold water is another obvious when people go, why do they go swim in the sea? Cause it's such a shock to the system that you get out of your head and into your body. And so that's something I think is, is, is powerful for people to try and just push yourself so hard on a, on a watt bike. I've been there and I, and that's a a tool if I'm, if I, you know, I, I haven't needed to it in a while, but I work out all the time, but, and I love it, you know, but after, you know, after a good hard workout, you just,
0: whew, you're just fresh. You just, you're, yeah. And a, a different a different a slightly different variation of that for me is actually playing rugby because when you when you think about mindfulness, right? It's all about it's all about really just being present and like not having not having thoughts take over, right? And it's I only realized this a while ago. It's like when I go to rugby training, never mind a match, training. Go to training, I've been on the pitch for 90 minutes and I get off sometimes ask myself what was i thinking about for those 90 minutes it's like i was literally just thinking about rugby like or not not even about rugby i was like i wasn't even thinking i guess is the whole point i was like right the ball's coming out here now okay i'm gonna catch it right what's next and half half the time you don't even know what you're thinking about because you're just doing and that's why i that's why i love it and and i think any time that you're doing that where you just realize geez i wasn't thinking about anything for the last hour is is usually something very, very good for you. And I'll I'll tell you a quick a quick story because it's it's interesting. You talk about listening to your heart, right? Because I think, I think my story might be helpful for some people. Insofar as my background was, did engineering, went into a very analytical job in management consulting, and so it's all analytical, it's all rational, it's all thinking, solving problems. There's no real emotional, um, room for it. And so I, I don't know exactly why, but I basically lost the ability to understand what I was feeling. And I realized this because I was, going to, I was going to therapy and she would ask me something and she'd be like, how did you feel about that? And I would say, oh, geez, I felt sad or I felt really guilty. And what, I, what my therapist realized was that you were just saying, you were rationally telling me what you think you felt. And I was like, right, okay, I need to think about that one. And I realised that I actually I was only ever telling her what I thought I felt at the time, of what I thought I should feel. And so it actually took a lot of sessions for me to realise how to actually connect with what I really felt. You know, doing stuff like having to close my eyes, feeling like what, like listening to, or understanding how you might feel in like your body, right? Tapping, right? How, how's your chest feel? How does your stomach feel when I tell you this? When I ask you this question? And so for me, it was a bit of that journey to re- to be able to tap into that side of things, and then when you realise how you feel, then that's how I was able to say, Do you know what? What I really love is just playing sport. What I really love is just when I'm out in the pitch, kicking a ball around. I love that. I love that. And if, but if you had asked me that before, kind of that progress. I probably couldn't have told you. I would have been like, oh, you know, I really enjoy making Excel models. I actually definitely said that. I used to tell people that I really enjoy making Excel models. Said, no, you, you don't. Like, <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> so I, I think it's like, um, it. some people are very good at it. Some people are naturally very good at understanding their own emotions, their own desires, what makes them happy. Some people are not. At it, but if you are not, it doesn't mean that you can't figure it out. I guess is the point that I'm trying to make. You can go through different, and everyone will have their own different journey, right? It doesn't have to be through therapy, be through anything, but it's worthwhile to go on that journey because it allows you to figure out what you really want to do. And once you know that, then you can start going and actually making that happen.
1: Big time. And yeah, uh, great, great
0: um story there
1: and you're spot on understand 100 percent. and it's something that as men we're we're not good at like women are far better like they talk about feelings all the time and they're very in tune with it um with how they're feeling they're very in tune with it and as men we're not and as men we get caught up in our head and so i talked to it on the off-field rugby pod with craig white a guy who anyway just recently who used to work in um rugby in all, like with the British and Irish Lions, with, uh, Wales, with Ireland, he was, you know, huge into it. And he's gone down a mad different route with mindfulness yoga. He's doing a men without masks and men's transformational coach. And he's doing all this work, but it's, a uh, he said that men have always had to be thinking machines, and it's true, you know, the man goes to work or, you know, in recent years, you go to work and like, that's exactly what you were, was a thinking machine and you had, you'd lost all capability to feel anything to an extent. And it, cause you were, and you were probably a very good thinker, you know, and it's, but it's uh, that's only 50% of it. That's who he said. And, and with men or women, whoever you are, there's the polarity, there's a the masculine, the feminine. And I think, you know, I'm not an expert in this by any stretch, but it, you know, the feeling part is quite feminine and, and the, the thinking is, could be wrong in this but you know you have to tap into both you know it's not all about 100% thinking no it's not and it's not all about 100% the other way but it's um it's understanding the the polarity and the yeah the
0: differences mm, yeah Um my last question for you Brian if we were to sit down again in five years time and we were chatting and I was like how how, how have things been and you were like Do you know what the last five years have just been Unbelievable. So good. So satisfying. What is it that would have happened? Okay. Um, How long do we
1: have? Uh, So would have released a second book, obviously, would be a very prominent speaker and would be a very prominent rugby coach at the professional level, very high level. And yeah, so High level rugby coach, um, very prominent speaker and second book will be out and the podcast will be definitely one of the the biggest rugby podcasts in the world. But as I said, I'm going to change the name to make it general. But within rugby circles, as I would be, such a prominent rugby coach will be that you see Eddie Jones now has a podcast called Eddie. So something along those lines. Yeah. And I love the idea. I love the idea. And I've thought about before he did it. I thought about, I was like, I'm going on this path as a rugby coach. And I have a weekly podcast and people are starting to get to know me now through my Instagram, through my podcast, people listening every week and they're getting to know me. And as I continue my journey as a rugby coach, like I, I do both, I do the, 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 we'll say self-development, the, you know, the coaching, the mindset coaching, mindset and performance coaching in sport and business, whatever. But I also coach on the grass with rugby. So as I become, yeah, more, more of an established rugby coach, then I'll still have the weekly podcast. So it'll be like that. It'll be like, you'll be listening into the, you name it, you pick the professional team. Oh, and he, he just chats every week on the podcast as class.
0: What's the dream team?
1: Coach Ireland. Yeah. Win a world cup and coach Ireland doesn't have to be mutually exclusive though, or, you know, it doesn't have to be at the same time, but, uh, yeah, coach, coach international rugby, but also coach professionally. I'd be happy, of course, be happy with that too. But yeah, I'd like to have a crack
0: at international rugby. I'd like to. What, what is it about coaching rugby that appeals to you so much?
1: I love it. I love it. And I was always a better coach. I always read the game better than I played it. So the way I read the game allowed me to get to the levels that I did get to, but I was never the fastest, strongest, fittest. I was never that, but I could always read the game a couple of phases ahead. And because of that, I was able to excel on the field. And I was always, you know, I captained in the Connick 20s that had Jack Carty, Robbie Henshaw, Kieran Marmion in the team. So I was always, um, that was a, the leadership side was something that I was good at. The motivational leadership side, the the reading the game, And I could even see it. I was just like, you know, I played in the same teams growing up with Tyg Byrne, Jack Cohn, and Ian Henderson, these guys, and, you know, as well. And I just, Tyg Furlong, and they were, they were good, you know, and I could tell that I wasn't, I wasn't ah, like, I had to work very hard to get to their level. And, and I knew that my mind, like how I was reading it was, was keeping me there, but they seemed just physically a bit better. So, um, and look, legends like fair play to them i love seeing them all playing with ireland and doing what they're doing and it's unreal i love it like and uh so I, i've always known that coaching would be something that i'd probably be better at
0: but uh not to say that I did playing i, I preferred playing but, uh, but but you obviously you obviously enjoy it right i like, think do you ever get frustrated that you're not playing
1: no not as i said with the regrets thing earlier like don't ever regret Oh, sorry i do in a sense, because I had to stop playing a concussion. My last concussion was very, very bad. And I would, I would love to play fifths rugby. So like, like the way you just said there, I was kind of getting jealous and you're like, I like just going out playing on a Tuesday. I'm like, fuck, I love that. Like, but I can't do it. I just, cause I can't risk it. But, uh, um, I do the F45. I get my physical, you know, the physical in that sense. So I can push myself that way. And, but I do, I, Not, I'm not unhappy that I'm not playing for Ireland or playing for Connacht or whatever, but I would absolutely love to be able to go out and play club rugby to be able to play at any level because I love the game the same way you do, the same way anyone who plays rugby knows there's just something about it making tackles, getting hit, and passing, catching, kicking. There's just so I do miss it, don't get me wrong. I, I very much miss it, but. I understand. I'm grateful for the fact that I got to play until I was 29. I got to do it and I still have my health and I still can work out and I look, it's, and I love coaching. So it does fill that void in a sense, but it's funny on a Saturday morning, I have to do a savage workout to, to get that out of me before I go to the match. So, you know, I just got to do it. So, uh, anyway, um, now I'm, I'm grateful to have got to play for so long, got to play played on teams I dreamt of growing up, like Connacht and Ireland, be, albeit at underage level. But, um, and Lanza, I didn't dream of that, but I love playing there. And, uh, no, and I just love the coaching now. And, you know, I can coach till, till I die.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is a good, good part about coaching and less concussion risk as well. Although maybe not zero, you know, <laughs> <laughs> big time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You could get a punch from someone or something. Yeah. exactly Well brian thanks so much i actually i really enjoyed this conversation i really really did like we've recorded for nearly an hour and a half which is way longer than we usually do but i just had so many questions and i found it so interesting so thank you so much and if so if people want to find you um either listen to the podcast or online like where's where's best for them to go
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks a million for having me on really appreciate and congrats on what you're doing. It's unreal and keep on keeping on. And the momentum thing is huge. Like you said, you just keep on the run. Then all of a sudden you've done 30, you've done 50, you've done 17, just, uh, congrats to you for doing your thing. And thanks for asking me on. And so, yeah, people, my Instagram at Brian Moylet or at Offfield rugby, my LinkedIn, Brian Moylet, The book is on Amazon all over the world and audible and that. the book. And I become pro rugby player, the off field rugby pod probably be changing the name in the next couple of weeks. So anyway, we'll, you'll, you'll find it though, the off field rugby pod. And, uh, yeah, if you have any questions or thoughts or anything and yeah, just shoot me a DM and I'll send you a voice note back or if yeah, if anyone wants to get in touch with anything for sure, Instagram, LinkedIn is kind of the easiest way to get in touch, but yeah, yeah. Do
0: that Brian. Thanks so much. Cheers, Stephen. I hope you enjoyed the chat that I just had with Brian. Here's a couple of things that I took away from it. So the first was the importance of courage, right? If you're going to do something different, if you're going to leave your job, if you're going to start something new, you have to have courage. And that's all well and good to say. But I loved how he had very specific examples on how to develop courage. And I think the two things I took away specifically on this one were, one, committing to it. So saying, he says to himself, I'm going to be courageous today. I'm going to be courageous in my life. And having that commitment is a very good first step to doing courageous things. And I think the second thing is starting small. So do do whatever it is that you can, but something small, something courageous, and let that build up. And because if you're going to need courage to change things or to do something different or whatever else it is, that's how you can start to build up that courage. I also like the conversation that we had about how to figure out what it is that you love, because that's a lot about what this podcast is about, right? Really, there's only two things you need to do. You need to figure out what it is that you want to do, and then you need to go and make that happen. But the first step is often where a lot of people get caught. And I like Brian's advice and how he thinks about this, which is essentially, you know the answer deep down in your heart. You know what it is that you love to do. You know where it is that you want to spend your life. And it, it's really just about tapping into that. And you need self-awareness. Or Maybe like myself, you need to figure out how to even listen to your emotions or understand them. But it is there. The answer is there. And it's, if you can ask yourself that simple question, maybe you'll get the answer straight away. Maybe you'll need to do a bit of work. But that answer is there somewhere. And I like that as a concept. Finally, I thought he just had really great practical advice on how to take a step towards doing something that you love, which was, just start with something small. So, if you're in your job and you say, "Right, I don't love this," but for whatever reason, I can't, I can't just quit tomorrow. Right? That's completely fair. I totally get that. But can you start something? Can you start the podcast? Can you start the Instagram account, the TikTok account, the volunteering, whatever it is where you think your passion is that you you care about? Start it and start it small. Take one step. All you need to do is take one step. Take the thirty minutes and do that, and then. See where it goes from there. It'll open up doors. You might gain a bit of momentum and you'll just feel like you're moving in the direction because I know that it's very easy. I've been there before when you're working a full-time job and there's other stuff you want to do, but you get stuck because you've got responsibilities. You have to go to work, all that stuff. And I thought that was just such a great way to take one very simple step forwards. We talked a lot about psychology and mindset and how to develop courage. And I really enjoy those conversations because... Of course a lot of the time finding out what you want to do and getting a job and all that can be very very practical but what underlies a lot of that or what allows you to take a lot of those steps is your mindset and is how you think about whether that's you know a performance mindset or else just a courageous mindset and being able to be brave and I just loved all that he just knows so much about it and he's had a very interesting journey and I really enjoyed having that whole conversation. I really hope you did too. I hope you took something away from this. If you did, let me know. Send me a message on LinkedIn, where you can just find me at Steve Duke, or grab me on Instagram at the two roads pod. And tell me a message. Let me know what you think. Otherwise, I will see you for our next episode next week. One dollar, it's saleh
1: pigreaga, mati chan pigreaga, gathima